This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome to Line Dance Podcast with Megan Barcelia and Christopher Gonzalez. Today we are beginning to talk about our experience, not at experience, but at Vegas Dance Explosion, a highly anticipated episode by myself. Because uh, as anyone who listened to the experience episode uh, will know, there were many things that happened at this Vegas Dance Explosion event over the course of six days at the Westgate Resort in Las Vegas, Nevada. And today we will start to broach that subject, though I'm sure it will take more than one episode to get through all of it. Most of the time, Vegas does take us more than one episode just to get through the days, let alone add in playlist. And this was kind of a special event for at least myself, but I assume for you as well, because not only were we attending Vegas Dance Explosion, keeping our streaks going, but we were also instructing and DJing. So it was definitely a unique experience for for both of us, I don't think we've we've done all three before. And one of us had a show to prepare for the final yeah. day. Yes, yes. One of us was definitely talked to by Doug and Jackie and given the opportunity to prepare a little performance number. Yes. So, yeah. Um, so, Vegas, a little different this year. Okay, a lot different this year besides what I just mentioned. It was in September. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Starting on a Monday instead of a Tuesday. So yeah, there's a lot. There was a lot of changes going on for this Vegas. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Um, I did enjoy the fact that I felt like I had just gotten home from experience, and I had turned <laughs> around and had to basically wash all my clothes just to repack them for Vegas, and Pretty then much. add in extra because it was a much longer event. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I flew Southwest, I definitely overpacked. Mm. I, I I very much enjoy. Overpacking for Vegas. Mm. It's a thing I do apparently every year, and I don't mind it. Yeah, I, I packed a rare carry on item <laughs> instead of just my usual under seat bag. Uh, I have an under seat bag from Costco that fits usually everything I need for a weekend event, but since we had six days and not just a normal weekend, I used my carry on bag, which still fits in the overhead compartment barely because it's very large Uh, and because I'm so unused to packing that way I was still able to fit pretty much everything I needed in that bag for six days so that left me with my underseat bag still and I had all this space in there I put my electronics in there of course because you know it's it's good, good to have those with you and not have to check them or anything but I still had empty space and I had, you know, reached out to Doug and Jackie and asked them, like, is there anything I should pack? Like, anything, any bonuses, anything special I should bring from Northern California? And they, they didn't uh, mention anything that uh, I, I would want to fly with, um, you know, onto the plane. So I thought, hmm, well, I can get cookies. Hmm. Went to Trader Joe's and got three packages of... Megan's favorite chocolate chip cookies, the kind that you have one of and you just want the entire package yes. of afterward. And I kept those cookies out on the DJ table every shift that uh, I would be DJing. Mm-hmm. And by the end, I was happy to say that they they all went. You know, they yes. went. They went out to the people and I didn't have any that I needed to bring back home. I would have helped you had you had that problem. Yeah. I certainly would have assisted with you because he wasn't kidding when he says they're like my favorite chocolate chip cookies. Mm-hmm. So, yes. With that said, we had a relatively early morning flight. I cannot actually speak to as to what time it was. I just remember it was really, really early. Really, really early. It was like one of the first flights out, if I remember correctly, because we had to reschedule our original flights. Yes, originally I had an afternoon flight and I had thought that I would have plenty of time to land and get all situated and do registration and check in a lot. Turns out uh, my first class was scheduled for the first class of the day, which was uh, supposed to be 1 o'clock to 1.50 p.m. And when I mentioned this with Doug and Jackie, they were very flexible and on their end, 
um, without without telling me that you know, they they were willing to work with the schedule, they pushed my class back to two o'clock. So I could have actually just kept my flight as it was, and uh, you know, because they were willing to help out in that way, um, I would have been fine to you know, get started with lots of breathing time, putting on the laptop and all that stuff. Um, on my end, since I didn't know that was going to happen, I moved my flight earlier in the day. So I think we left at five something a.m., meaning yes. we got there you know, probably between three and four something a.m. And that left us lots of time to prepare for the day so that we even were able to go to registration and hang out with the people who were lined up for their packets. Yeah, so we definitely uh, we landed relatively early. It was like seven or so in the morning-ish. We got there really early before everything started. We got in there. I didn't even bother checking to see if I could check in because I assumed with uh, the friend that I was staying with, the hotel was going to be under his name anyways. And long story short, I knew like chances of me being able to check in that early as opposed to the standard like two or three o'clock check-in for most hotels was just, it was slim to none with the fact that there was like two or three other conventions going on this weekend. With that said, some of the rooms got actually shifted around with Vegas and it was a really unique uh, set up and I loved it. I loved what happened this year. We had the lobby be where the lobby normally is in the center and the majestic on one side, which is the main ballroom. And then the crystal ballroom actually expanded in to also take over what used to be the crystal and the emerald. And that took up the whole other half, which was really cool because that's the beginner to improver level room. And to know that we've expanded that much to have to now take up two ballroom spaces is really cool. Well, normally we're across the hall from the rest of it and there's two other rooms. But this time those were all booked for a different event. So they pushed us to the backside. So where we normally have an empty space room not being used, followed by two additional ballrooms behind us, it was all this kind of like central little unit where it really was walking into Narnia in our own little world. Once you got through that first door, like that was us. It was all us. And that was a really cool experience for me. I really enjoyed the change of that, having everything so central to each other. And I didn't feel like I had to run quite so much between the different ballrooms for different reasons. I felt like I could get there in enough time and I didn't have that like almost panic sense. Um, I loved their decorations this year. They went all out this year. It was the western or cowboy cowgirl themish yeah boots chaps and cowboy hats I there think. you go yeah. um there was hay barrels or hay bales in the lobby which was a very visually you know pleasing environment maybe not so friendly with the static electricity and the dance shoes and the carpet. Yep. House hey, cleaning probably everywhere. loved us. Hmm. <laughs> but it looked really cool and it really added to it. Um, I loved all of the wanted posters. Hmm. I was determined to take mine home. However, they went up for auction on the last night. So I thought that was kind of cool because then it went to a charity. I wish I remember which charity it was at the top of my head. Hmm. But uh, they went... They went and did a good number about why we were wanted. I enjoyed a lot of the sayings. Mm -hmm. they, were, they were quite creative, so I enjoyed that. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of like what else just visually walking in to see that first experience of it with nobody in there. Uh, well, I also, I mean, relating to what you were saying about how it was structured, I liked that... Uh, in that space that you mentioned wasn't really used for anything, the kind of like breezeway, they had the partner dance area set up. And for most people going to a line dance event, they would expect that there isn't any partner dancing. Uh, and if they don't just stumble into a side room where it usually is, they might never find out. Or if they don't look at their schedule very closely, then they wouldn't think that that would happen at a line dance event. With the location they had set up for it this year, it would be very hard to miss because you have to pass by it on your way to either of two of the major ballrooms. So people who might not have 
otherwise considered learning partner dance technique at a line dance event would then have a chance to see people dancing and see, seeing people have a, a good time and hearing the music um, on its own you know, through the mere exposure effect uh, might bring them into that room for longer than just passing through. And then they would have a more well-rounded experience of dance at Vegas Dance Explosion. Yeah, you bring up a really good point in the sense that that was the partner room, but it was also where they held the choreography competitions, which I know is normally kind of like a, a side room where you feel very sheltered. Um, and maybe not a whole lot of people know that that's even an option as well. Mm -hmm. And having it in that same room in, in between, you know, a bunch of the ballrooms, that was like a really nice exposure for the choreographers who were competing too. I thought it was a good size for it as well because in previous years when we've been in the competition room, there would be a lot of dance floor and a lot of chairs and it would feel like those of us who were there were just like sitting for a while and because it was everything was spread out and you were waiting for the next competitor uh, the energy would sometimes wane and Louis fortunately you know the years that he was uh, emceeing for that he would have like trivia or you know fun little things to to keep us occupied in between rounds and in this new space that they had I don't know if there were fewer chairs or if things were just denser. Uh, maybe the shape of the room and the fact that it was on the way to other places attracted people. Um, I felt for the one uh, for the competition, the USLDCC competition that I emceed, uh, also sort of by surprise. Um, I felt like the energy was great. It seemed like the room was always full. People would be standing, and of course, you know, when a room is so full that you have to stand to watch, then it makes the whole, whatever, the whole shebang in the middle feel like it's a desirable event to, to be at, because you see somebody else standing, you think, oh, this must be important, they're willing to stand for an hour and watch this, I'll stick around and stand as well. Yeah. So I, I liked that, um, that you know, as you were saying, the competitions were held there as well, where you really couldn't miss them. Yeah, and they were by the dance shoes, so maybe after you watched some of the competition stuff or the partner dancing, you'd be inspired to turn the corner and buy some shoes. <laughs> right. Um, one of the things to kind of build of, off of what you were saying about like the size, and mm. more for me, it wasn't necessarily the size, but the shape of it, mm. because it used to be in this long, narrow room. So that's where it was like. It's a, it was it felt like it kind of went on for eternity because of how it was spaced out and the size of it and the structure of it just didn't really feel like it was all encompassing it just kind of felt like stretched out like that really awkward dinner table that you have like you know 12 of your your family members and you're like oh I'd love to talk to the person all the way down at the other end but then I would be shouting across 10 people so that's not going to really work mm -hmm. so it's kind of that same feeling whereas now here it is more of in a in a very evenly spaced room so people kind of had that more uh, union feeling. Another benefit of how they used the rooms that they weren't using before is we were able to use the bathrooms uh, and were aware that they were there this year. See, with before, um, you know, having everything structured the way it was across the hallway, the nearest bathrooms in our minds were way down the hall and around the corner. But there really are closer bathrooms. They're just up a, a flight of stairs. You wouldn't think to go there, though, because before they were at sort of the edge of our territory yeah. as an event. And beyond that point is the previously unused room where the competition was and the previously unused rooms where the performance was and you know, some classes. So you, you would think, am I even allowed to go over there? That's right. not really part of the event. But now because we expanded into that space, the bathrooms were in the middle of everything. Yes. And you didn't think it would be such a hike if you had to go some, you know, somewhere yeah. uh, in the middle of a class. You know you could just use the close ones. And as you discovered, there are even closer ones mm -hmm. on the ground there level. Are. Little single-use uh, bathrooms that there. I didn't know about until this year. Really? Yeah, oh, I just yeah. never thought to look in that little nook. Oh, yeah. No, um, I discovered them... 
either a year or two ago by accident mm. because um, I needed to get through the hallway to get into the main ballroom and where I was coming mm. from. I was like, where does this go kind of situation because mm -hmm. that's me and I'm definitely, you know, curiosity killed the cat kind of person. And I discovered that there was a bathroom right there. So I did not need to walk up those very steep stairs mm. because I'm not really a fan of stairs. Mm. I don't like stairs. Stairs are mean. But anyways, that's a different story. You're also lucky because um, that was the, the women's bathroom on, on your side by the Majestic Ballroom. Uh, the men's bathroom is on the symmetrical side on the other side, yeah. which is closer to the beginner improver room. Uh, so yeah. guys yeah. will have to walk a little bit farther, but we tend to be taller and have longer legs. So it all balances out. <laughs> True. So we landed. Yeah. We got a, a visualization of how everything was set up and everything was decorated. And that was really exciting. And I don't know about you, but like once I got into that lobby, the energy and the electricity just kind of started to like surge through mm. me. And I got really excited about it. So we met up with Jackie and Doug and they asked what our plans were essentially for the morning until your teach at two o'clock. And I said, whatever they need us for. And she said, perfect. And so we walked over to registration and we started helping stuff packets so that we could potentially have everybody's packet with everything that they ordered and needed by the time we opened for registration. That was a lot of fun, a lot of work. Um, we had a good assembly line thing going on, I think. I think we figured out a nice way to to get through that quickly enough. Um, I'm glad they didn't have to do that all themselves. Right, that was that a would lot have been so of much packets. more work for so many fewer people than ended up being there because the two of us were there, and then they had the volunteers there. Without without those additional hands, I I can't imagine how many paper cuts and how much stress they, they would have uh, had to endure. Yeah. Uh, Let alone um, the time with, crunch. Right. Yeah. With people, you know, very soon to arrive. Yes. So we finished early enough that we were able to run across the street to the little gas station quickie mart store, mm -hmm. grab some things to eat because we knew we were going to need to eat something. Mm -hmm. And we were able to eat for a few minutes before registration opened, which looks like it opened at uh, 12. Mm -hmm. So registration opened at 12. And one of my favorite parts about being a dancer at Vegas Dance Explosion is what we like to call the meet and greet when you're standing in line for registration. A bunch of the instructors will hang out and help like direct people to the different uh, volunteers and workers that can help get their registration packets. But in the meantime, they talk to you while you're in line and you get to say hi to them and you know be acknowledged by them. And if you're friends with some of them, by fortunate chance, you get to say hello and give hugs. And if not, then you get to meet them and become friends with them. And that was one of my favorite parts about being a dancer. So being on the opposite side this year and one of the instructors and DJs, I was really looking forward to being able to say hi to everybody. So that was probably one of my favorite moments of the whole week was just being able to meet a bunch of different people that I've never seen before and say hello to people I haven't seen in a while. And of course, my rel relatively regular people that I see in the Bay Area um, I, I was like a kid in a candy store, I'll be honest. Mm. What about you? I, I definitely enjoyed it as well. I remember the year that um, we were there with Cat Painter on staff, which I believe was 2017, standing in line waiting for my packet. I could see her roaming around. I could think, that's our cat. She's from our area. I was so proud to just know her You know, while she had a, a poster on the, the wall in the lobby. And um, you know, she was mixing and mingling and seeing everybody and this year you know we we were able to be on the other end of that and we could see our people like you were saying you know a lot of our west coast people especially because this is one of the few west coast events and they seemed to get a kick out of uh, having us in that same position that cat was in just a couple of years ago yeah yeah and uh in in our reflections on um experience i remember 
saying that it was like a giant crossover episode where you see everyone from events all over the country and from other countries. And with this, it felt a little more homey where it wasn't so everyone from everywhere and more people we know concentrated, like you know, people from Country Quick Steppers. We had a lot of people from Quick Steppers there, Boots and Buckles, mm-hmm. uh, our local our, Bay Area dance A lot clubs. of Bay Area people. And then you know, later in the week, we also got a lot of the... Uh, SoCal. Yeah, the SoCal the bar crowd, as well as you know, people who have been starting to go to events from that, that region. As well as some of our, our friends from Reno. That yeah. was fun, too. Yeah. Yeah, so this, this was a different kind of crossover, and it, it didn't feel as like, what's going on is this reality crossover. It was more like, yeah, this, is, this seems about right. I'm glad that we're all, we're all here because we should know each other. We're within driving distance of many of these people. Yeah, th- there's that to be said as well as with how large Vegas is, I expect to see a bunch of different people from all over, as well as the fact that it's so close to us in general on the west side, the west coast, that... Like, it makes more sense. When I see a bunch of West Coast people in the middle to the East Coast, I'm like, wait, what is going on? Y'all don't fly this far. <laughs> I'm used to seeing you in Vegas, but you, you, you were longer than two hours? What? Hmm. You know, because I'm used to us being the few people that will travel all the way across the country just for a dance event because we love it that much. So... Vegas, to me, it's like I expect to see people from a little bit of mix from all over as opposed to like when we went to Nashville and I was like, wait a minute, this is a small sold out within less than 48 hour event. How do we have so many people from all over? So that, that would probably be the, the big difference for me when it comes to like why this wasn't quite such the culture shock. Mm. But, um, I, like I said, I loved getting to talk to people, getting to meet new people. Um, there were so many people, so many people that just made me smile all week long because I was able to talk to them for, you know, a few minutes here and there as they stood in line. And I was able to, like, pass them in the hallways and they were smiling at me and I smiled at them and we waved and it was as if we had known each other all of our lives and we had literally just met on Monday. Mm. So that was that was a very fun experience for me and I hope I hope that they got that same, you know, energy from standing in line getting to meet us as I did when I was standing in line of just last year and the year before. So with that said I think at some point we finished with the majority of the people being done before we even had the first class. Mm. If I remember correctly, we we got through that pretty quickly. Um, Open dancing happened in the line dance lobby starting at 1230. Mm -hmm. At some point, I know you went up and did um, your video demos with Kelly from Seven Arrow Media. I just don't remember when exactly that was. It was about one. That was. Yeah. So that would have been like right around um, that first hour. Mm-hmm. And then, let's see. You had your first class at two. So at one o'clock, there was Rob Fowler with Novocaine Kiss, Thousand Times by, uh, by Neil Polson, which was taught by Joe and John Kinzer. Absolutely by Niels Polson, Knockin' Boots by Hannah Reese, taught by Ruben Luna. And a little midland taught by Yvonne Anderson. She was fun. She was fun. <laughs> Two o'clock started, and we had Stomp It Out Now by Yvonne Verhagen. Uh, Body Good by Philip Sobrello. Then we had Christopher's Teach of Strut Through My Heart and Baby DNCE with me. Yay. And we had Half a Dance taught by Tiana Miller. Then we had the first flash mob teach, Bada Boom, Bada Bang by Michaela Terry, which is one of our local San Jose peoples. And the, uh, the dance was choreographed for, by, by Karen Hunt, if anyone wants to look that one up. And I'm glad that we had another local person with us for, for that. Yeah, that was amazing. She was one of the choreographer winners from the year prior. Mm-hmm. So that was cool having her on staff with us. From 3 o'clock to 3.50, we had Simon Ward teaching his dance, Nothing to Hide. 
Jill Babinek taught Fred Whitehouse's Soul Shake, and there will be much more praise about that dance later. As we previewed in our experience episode. We did. Uh, Ira Weisberg taught Honky Tonk Cubana. Cumbia. Cumbia, sorry. Thank you. Um, and then you taught the first Walk the Line by Sandy Larkins of the week. And then there was also a West Coast Swing No Partner Needed Basic Beginners by Joe and John Kinzer. From 4 to 4.50, John Robinson taught I'm No Latino by himself. Ruben Luna taught Done Running by himself and Joe Kinzer. Dare to Dance by Fred Whitehouse and World for Two by Gary O'Reilly was taught by Amanda Langworthy. And I just so happened to have a class on this hour, Come South of the Border, and My Uber Driver, both by myself. And then we had a two-step fun and easy for everyone by Tim Prez, which more about him later. Absolutely love him. He's adorable. From 5 o'clock to 5.50, we had A Friend Like Me, taught by Tiana Miller. Uh, what Are the Chances, taught by Trish Mac... McElhenney? Uh, McElhenney. I am sorry, Trish. I apologize. Um, Lynn Cards taught Brandon and Stacy Zahorsky's The Get Up. Philip Sobrello taught the compilation of Love Like That by himself. It looks like Rebecca, Gemma... Richard. I think that's uh, Guillaume. Oh, Guillaume Richard, sorry. Um, and then I believe it's David Hoen. Hoen, yeah. Hoen. And then there was a West Coast Swing Fun and Easy Patterns by the very own John Lindo. Now, at 5.30, running pretty much from my 4 to 4.50 class, I had my very first DJ experience at a large line dance event at 5.30, and I was in the lobby. I absolutely had so much fun. I didn't think there would be as many people there at 5.30, given the fact that dinner started at 6. I thought everybody would be running away and and getting ready for their for their dinner and getting dressed for the night for the welcome dance party. And there was actually quite a few people there for quite a while. I was... uh, very shocked and I had a lot of fun and uh, we'll talk about the playlist later mm, a little we bit. have so many playlists so many different ones so many request sheets so many trying to get to the music it was um, a good time. yeah it was a lot of fun so dinner was from 6 to 8 p.m. at 8 p.m. started the welcome dance party the beginner dance party and the instructors dance demos for Tuesday um, that was an interesting experience, I think. And then, let's see, what happened at, after we got done with the demos? I think, uh, didn't you and Jill split the main ballroom at some point that night? Yep, our shift started around 8 o'clock, question mark, p.m., it says, according to this sheet. Okay. Yep. Any thoughts, just briefly? Oh, uh, I think I'll probably get more into that once we pull up playlists, but um, the Majestic Ballroom is vast. (laughs) I believe that this was the night because it was the first night um, and I wasn't DJing that night at all that I decided that this was the one and only chance I was going to be quote unquote selfish and make sure I requested all the dances I wanted to dance Mm. up front and just try and get them out of the way because I knew... As the week progressed, I was going to have many other focuses and priorities that I kind of wanted to get that first night. And oh, yeah. It looks. I mean, looking at the schedule, it looks like you weren't even able to come back to the Majestic until Friday and Saturday. Yeah. Because we both had our shift in the Crystal Ballroom at 8.30 uh, on Tuesday. And then you had Crystal on um, at 8.30 on Wednesday. And then we each had a different place. You had Lobby and I had Majestic on Thursday. And it wasn't until Friday and Saturday that I was in Majestic and you had the night off. Yeah. And I think actually Tuesday we ended up switching with uh, Susan and she took Crystal and we took the Lobby. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, there was a lot, there was a lot going on, a lot of, and I was like, I wouldn't change it for the world, but I definitely looked at the schedule and realized uh, for the most part, because I knew like when the week got later on, say like Friday and or Saturday, 
if I wasn't working, then chances are that was going to be with the majority of people there and they were going to have their requests. And even on Friday, when in theory you would have been able to hang out more in the Majestic, you were doing a lot of uh, perfecting of the Saturday night show that you were in charge of. So for a lot of that, I mean, we we talked to Jackie about it and... um, and she said that one of the learning experiences that can come with Vegas is like knowing what you can take on and and what uh, might have to be sacrificed. And I thought that uh, for you to take time out of your open dancing on Friday night to put together something that everyone would enjoy uh, and you know remember from the event, I thought that was uh, a noble sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I really, I really did enjoy putting together the show there's a lot that I personally learned from it and a lot going forward if I am given the wonderful honor and opportunity to do one in the future I've already fixed a lot of like where I was like maybe not as strong or maybe not as clear or maybe not as focused what little things that could be tweaked and perfected I've already considered those and um plan on addressing those up front and ahead of time so that's that was a great experience and I'm so glad and we'll talk more about that later Mm -hmm. but the reason why I was able to say yes to that and be able to take that time and and do that as opposed to open dance was because I did take advantage of Monday being less people there and more likely to get my requests right off the bat I was able to kind of get them out of my system so to speak Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, I could have danced them another four or five times easy, but because I was able to dance them at least the one time, I felt better about it. And um, it was still early enough in the week that I felt like I could go mad with power and it would be okay and there wouldn't be any consequences. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Because, again, there wasn't as many people there and it was, uh, for lack of a better term at the moment, a lower stakes in... um, pleasing everybody yeah when it's that early i remember we've talked to jp potter about this as well a a very experienced dj in the line dance uh, world he said that it's in those first i mean he he usually says thursday because that's when these events tend to start but i mean it could be uh in this case monday because you know we started monday Uh, those early days or the first day give uh, you know provide um sort of a a sample of what people know because when everyone shows up from everywhere around the world you don't really really know what they know you know that the hits the you know top charting dances are probably going to be ones that they know but then again depending what part of the country you're in something like day of the dead which is big on the east coast or any of the uk classics like lumtara rumba or um, intrigue or prodigy things that we don't ever see that they know over there um, those dances might be ones that you'd assume are big hits uh, or that people will know and then you find out that they didn't get taught very much by this part of the world's instructors so people don't know them even if somewhere else they are well represented on the charts so on the first day you have a little bit more flexibility with just playing everything across the spectrum it's kind of like what you've done in gigs with jeff doing like uh you know wedding gigs or just you know casual djing gigs not line dance related at all you play a lot you play a lot across the spectrum of music and you see what they gravitate toward because you might think that they're going to love village people and then it turns out they love diana ross and the supremes so you start leaning more heavily toward that because that's what they're going to dance to Mm -hmm. and you might think as the dj well i want to play this or i want this variety i want this to be the sound of the evening if they don't dance, then that's not what's happening. (laughs) So you really just have to shoot across the board, see what they like, and then keep them happy with that uh, neighborhood of dances. Yeah, definitely. Um, It does help knowing that a lot of our Bay Area people were there and we dance with a lot of them. So we have an idea of what they at least like. So there's a few fallbacks Mm -hmm. in addition to like just playing the popular... This is definitely one of those hit dances. Everybody's going to get out there and dance, i.e. Lonely Drum kind of dances. Or American Kids is another one. And 
having that extra little bit of knowledge was certainly helpful for the fact that this was my first big DJ event. Um, I know you've had a little bit more experience than me with yeah. Marathon and being in the main ballroom, but you kind of had that same idea going into Marathon of like, okay, well, what are some of the the popular dances that I know people will like and dance to where I can take chances on others and then if that doesn't work out, I can throw in a floor filler for sure. Um, you kind of had that more strategic idea which also I adopted from your experience to kind of go in with that in the back of my mind and see how it evolved and had that as like a, a fallback kind of situation on how best I wanted to approach being a DJ and making this a memorable event for everyone. Now, I don't remember exactly how late we stayed up, but I'm sure it was like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. But we'll talk about that more when we go over the actual playlist. Mm-hmm. I was very, very grateful for Tuesday because Tuesday I did not have to get up early. Mm. I didn't DJ until 8.30 at night. And from looking at this uh, schedule, I didn't teach. So this must have been the only day I actually got some sleep. Oh, it looks like I didn't teach as well. I just DJed in the lobby at 3. Yeah, I feel like we got up early and we ate. Oh, yes, because we found out about the uh, concierge room where they provide breakfast. Yes, I feel like that's something we did. Yeah, oh my goodness, but... what a game changer. Um, I may just interject that uh, food is important. This was the event where I discovered eating meals gives you energy. And this is not this is not something that is just intuitive for me at events. I I tend to think sleep gives me energy, so I'll sleep until I need to get up and do something, and then I do something, do something, do something. I forget to eat. Maybe I have dinner, and then I take a nap and then have open dance. But like meals, what? This is where I had meals, and I'm so glad that there was a room provided for us to do that. Yes. And when I say this, I think it, this particular room either stopped at 9 in the morning or 10 in the morning. I, I think it was 10.30. I do not recall because I know that I did not stay very late in this, this particular meal option area. Mm. And um, I'm pretty sure after that, because we made sure to get down there and eat early enough, we probably just hung out in the lobby realistically mm. knowing us. Oh, yeah. I was so excited to just dance everything in the lobby going into this event. Like, my 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 mental preparation for this event after experience was I probably am not going to take that many workshops because I can just learn things off the step sheet. Uh, you know, we, we will be doing a lot of uh, DJing and whatnot. I don't think I'm going to be doing the partner dance stuff or general technique. So where is left to go? The lobby. All the live long day for dancing. Yes. We have friends who went to the pool. We have friends who slept in. We have friends who went to classes. Oh, yeah. I guess if that's something you want to do at a six-day workshop I don't know. of classes. Apparently, uh, apparently people do things at these events besides work and run around. I'll have to enthused. talk to them about what, that, about what that's like. <laughs> I have a vague memory of 2015 when I may have done something like that. But right. uh, this year... Yeah, if I wasn't in the lobby, I was probably DJing somewhere else or teaching somewhere else. Yeah, if I wasn't DJing, I was teaching. If I wasn't teaching, I was DJing. And if I wasn't doing either, I was prepping for the show. And if I wasn't doing either of that, I was maybe, maybe dancing. Um, I definitely socialized a lot. Mm. I was very, I was very glad to do that. But starting at Tuesday, Tuesday morning, bright and early, nine a.m. to nine fifty, Jose. Uh, taught the dance Work Done. Yvonne Verhagen taught She Got Me. Yvonne Anderson taught Why Me. Lynn Card taught Take It From Me. And Tiana Miller did a, a morning warm-up with fun beginner fitness line dancing. Sounds maybe along the lines of line dancing mixed up with maybe like a Zumba kind of feel to get people going. Hmm. Um and then 10 a.m. to 10.50, Jackie Miranda taught Cantaloupe and When I Need You. Jeffka Camps taught If I Had You. Tiana Miller taught Simply Tango and Little Harder. Jill Babinek taught 
Her and Debbie Pencos. Pencos. Pencos, thank you. 24 Reasons. I make this distinction because there's another one. Mm-hmm. And John Lindo taught West Coast Swing, Tangled but Tamed. Uh, from 11 to 1150, Philip Sobrello taught We Were. Uh, Raymond Sarlemagne taught, excuse me as I butcher this because I heard it pronounced three different ways this week, Timot and Indirectus. Uh, Michaela Terry taught Mayday Mayday and Drop Everything. John Robinson taught Smoke in Her Eyes and Love in California. And Tim Perez was Two-Step Social Patterns. From 12 to 12.50, we have John and Joe Kinzer, What's Mine is Yours. That's almost fitting. Uh, Simon Ward, Rolling with Love. Ira Weisberg, Senorita Tu. Yvonne Verhagen, Whenever You Come Around. And John Robinson, which I really wish I would have paid attention to this particular uh, schedule and workshop, taught a techniques class, Oops, I Variated, a.k.a. How to Look Good on Purpose. I took one of his technique classes. Let me rephrase that. I sat in on one of his technique classes when he taught a technique class at Pike's Peak Line Dancer Bus this, this last year. And I got a lot of really good information that I want to pass on to my students. And had I been paying attention to the schedule, I probably would have been in this class as well. I, however, was not paying attention to this schedule because I was probably dancing in the lobby. Mm. Now, from 12.50 to 2.30 was our lunch break. From 2.30 to 3.20, kind of switching some weird times here. We have Roll With Me by J.P. Madge and Friends, taught by Jean-Pierre Madge. Ruben Luna taught Regressa. Rob Fowler taught his 24 Reasons and These Old Boots. Yvonne Verhagen, uh, Know You Better. John Lindo did a West Coast Swing Groovin' Within the Basics. During this hour also, I began uh, DJing in the lobby, 3 p.m. Okay. Um, from 3.30 to 4.20, Yvonne Anderson taught Party Party and Long Haul Stroll. I now, f- go ahead. Party Party has another dance to it. This one says Low Intermediate. Mm-hmm. But there's also a beginner dance I'm pretty aware of to the same song. Absolutely. It is an absolute beginner dance called Party in the Back. If you feel like looking it up, you can do it as a one-wall dance. You can do it as a four-wall dance. And there is certainly a party in the back when you dance that dance. You will see what I mean. (laughs) Um, One of the classes that I wish I had taken after I saw the dance. So now I'm looking up the step sheet and going to be learning it before Windy City. Is John Robinson and Derek Steele's Can't Escape Me. Can't Escape Me. Escape. Wow. I can't. I don't know why I can't pronounce that right now. Can't Escape Me me. John Robinson went ahead and taught that at 3.30 to 4.20. Joe and John Kinzer taught sailing. Simon Ward taught never growing up. That's believable. I love him, but that's believable. And Leonard Ture, I believe, I apologize if I mispronounced your name, had a technique class, Locking Foundations. So I'm assuming that's like pop and lock it kind of situation from 4 30 to 5 20 we had amanda langworthy teaching babylon girl jose taught make it through another day jeffka camps taught all the same and it looks like casey's moon john and joe kinzer taught great spirit and leonard trey taught another technique class party dances from the locking era sounds interesting Tuesday, last class of the day, 5.30 to 6.20. We had J.P. Madge teaching harder. Jeffka Camps taught Don't Let Me Forget. Jill Babinick taught Bonaparte's Retreat. And Trish, again, I apologize for that last name, McElhaney. Flash Mob Dance Teach, Bada Boom, Bada Bang. So they definitely gave a couple options for that particular uh flash mob dance to be taught throughout the week before we had to perform it 
From 6.20 to 8.30 was our dinner break. Or show practice if you had uh, a show coming up, coming up later that week, as um, I believe Many I of did us on did. Friday for uh, Yvonne Anderson's segment. Yes, as well as the 70s finale. We uh, definitely did that one. As well as, and not this particular practice, but there was another one for the country night. Mm-hmm. as well quite a few different little uh, practices um, and then the dinner dance party started at 8 30 ish with uh, beginner dances in one room and then the dance party in the lobby and the instructor demos Wednesday dances only now the reason why they say Tuesday dances only or Wednesday dances only is because Vegas is really spiffy in the fact that at some point they change over from having live demos to demos being played on your TV in your hotel room so that you can watch them at any time during the day when you choose to take a break as I've heard is a thing I, I I'm not particularly aware of what a break is like at Vegas especially uh, like there's too much going on I don't understand break what do you mean break I might miss something so uh, that was the day of classes at least and you did mention that you started DJing in the lobby at 3 p.m. yeah those were about three hour shifts so I was done at uh, about 6:20. yes Now, we also mentioned a little bit earlier in this episode that we did actually switch with Susan. Now, the Crystal Ballroom is the beginner improver request room. The lobby at night is the all request room. And the Majestic is the main ballroom, just to give you an idea. And Susan was originally scheduled in the lobby and we were scheduled in the Crystal, but she loves working with her beginners. She loves TJing for them and she's really good at it. So when she had asked if she could switch, of course, you and I were, sure, why not, you know? And Jill was super accommodating. She, she was flexible with anything. As long as we had coverage, we could work things out amongst ourselves. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so with that said, we switched, and we ended up doing the lobby that night, and that was a lot of fun. Was that the night that we went as late as Jill, but Jill wanted the, the picture in the Majestic? Something like that. Yeah, that's what we ended up doing. We just, even though we were all done at about the same time, she had she had put something up on the screen too. I think it was like, um, w- there was some dance name that I had posted. Maybe it was like "Can't Stop Us" or something like that, and or maybe it was like "Don't Want It." There was something about like you know not wanting Don't the want night to, to end. Stop. Or, yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, or I can't stop. And then um, and then Jill said, you know, you don't have to. Uh, come to, you know, we'll, we'll come to you or something like that. Come, 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 to, come to the Majestic or well, something that, like that. that's what it ended up being. But at first, she was saying that you know, she would just send all the dancers to us. Yeah. And uh, and then once we were done and she was done, um, she said, like, Survivor photo in the Majestic. I'm like, okay, fine. Yeah. It, I don't think... I think she actually played a few more songs past us. There was at least one that we came in the room for that was still playing. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just the end of that one. I think it was like party train or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that night and that was a lot of fun. Um, I definitely enjoyed that night. Mm -hmm. And let's see, we are at about 12 minutes till our hour mark. Mm -hmm. So without going too much more into Wednesday, um, I think we can kind of just summarize just the general, like, the first two days, for me at least, I had a lot of energy mm-hmm. and a lot of anticipation still. We still didn't, haven't seen most of our friends from SoCal. We had a few other friends still waiting to fly in for the next night or two. And it was just a lot of fun with the the ballrooms where they were and getting just kind of the handle of things and the experience of getting to DJ for me for the first time and seeing how not only just the lobby in general worked, but then when it switched over to late night dancing, how that was going to potentially play out for the rest of the week. Um, it was, it was different because I wasn't aware of how different it would be to 
um, DJ in the Crystal Ballroom versus the lobby. Which is what you, yeah, you end up, uh, according to this sheet, uh, DJing in the Crystal on Wednesday night. Yes, with a lot of your help. Yes, you definitely, Wednesday night, you definitely helped me manage the the ballroom and keep it going and you gave me suggestions and you even hit maybe a couple quick teaches that night too if I remember correctly but it was certainly a different experience going from the lobby during the day to the lobby at night just in general on these first two days I think um I didn't know what I was getting into because mm. the the week started fresh and I didn't have a whole lot on my plate the first two days, I can honestly say. Hmm. It wasn't until, like, I think Tuesday evening that Doug and Jackie approached me about the performance. And so I started thinking about that and started kind of, like, trying to get ideas of how I wanted that to go with their guidance. And like I said, you know, some of our friends still hadn't shown up yet because they were waiting for the weekend. And it was just, it was fun. It was fun having um natalie and keith there for the first time our friends from here at Mm. home yeah leah didn't show up until a little bit later yeah it was was nice to see the first couple days what it was like for them versus later on in the week because it definitely there's a difference between having a thursday friday saturday maybe sunday um event versus a, a monday through saturday event or normal vegas which is tuesday through sunday I think it was maybe it was Keith that I talked to who said that um, he started out full head of steam wanting to learn everything and I know Leah had like marked all these different boxes on her schedule I'm going to take this and then I'm going to run over here and I'm going to take that and then I'm going to go over here oh but I I shouldn't take this one yet because it's going to be retaught later and people have told us I know JP told us pace yourself the evening shuts down first night maybe 2 p 2 a.m on one of his nights they're like what it's only it's the first day we want to keep dancing that's why we're here and he's like no no no. it's the first day pace yourself you still have five more days and nights so you know we we tried to tell our friends that of course you know pass that along and just like we didn't believe people who told us they I'm sure didn't fully believe us until they experienced the later week day five day six staying up till 4 40 a.m and then 5 a.m and the last night you know we we called it early at 3 a.m and that's that's around the time you just you're like I could take this workshop or I could sleep Oh, I think I'll sleep. That's that's how it feels at the end after a complete 180 from taking everything the first two days. Even going into experience, I took five classes the first First day day. and then took like none and learned a couple from my seat uh, on the next day. Right. Yeah, I think it was like four or five on the first day and then it was like three on the second day and like one on the last day and that was like the most I've ever taken lesson wise at any one event like that was insane for me and I knew going in that like three is really pushing it in a day for me so that was definitely an experience that experience and then I didn't get to take a single class unless you count me helping wall during your classes of dances I already knew That, that, that would be the class I took. <laughs> you know, one of our local people said she really enjoyed Strut Through My Heart and wondered why we don't do it locally and wants to do it more <laughs> here at home. And you know, maybe I'll put it on tonight for our Twin Oaks Roadhouse night, but I guess I mean, it's hard to understand um, until you've choreographed something and get real shy about it, <laughs> why it, it feels wrong somehow to teach your own dances at home because like the, the learners put so much trust in you to find the best stuff that they're going to like, that they're going to have fun with. And for that dance just to happen to be one that you choreographed yourself seems dubiously likely. So yes. you, you don't want people to think that you know, you're, you're only teaching to, to have people dance your dances or you want to monopolize their learning time. 
yeah, it, mentally though, you got to balance that against, hey, what if they actually like your dance? <laughs> right. It's it's such a hard situation when it comes down to it because like you want to promote your stuff, you mm-hmm. you believe in your stuff, you do, mm-hmm. and you you cherish your stuff, and it's not so much of a what if they don't like the dance. For me, it's more of a, what if they only like the dance because they know it's mine? Mm. You know, whereas if we go, quote unquote, undercover somewhere that they don't know who we are and they're dancing one of our dances and having a blast with it, then you know they like the dance for the dance, not because they know you, because they have no clue who you are. Mm. And that's a really neat feeling. And it's like, and I love watching people genuinely enjoying the dance and having a blast with it but I always question when one of my friends learns something I've done is like okay is it like you actually like the dance or is it because you like me and the dance is all right like what's what's the line here and you know most of the time I don't even know if they know that there is a difference They could just have it in that, like, no, it's a really good dance. It's a really good dance. And I love the fact that it was done by you kind of mindset. Who knows? Maybe they actually really do love the dance. But there's always that little bit of doubt in my mind. Uh, Note on the choices uh, for what I taught. Walk the line. I I taught, um, and I'm glad that I got these out of the way on the first day because I didn't end up having to demo them since they were already taught. And then they weren't retaught until much later in the event. Walk the line I, I selected for mostly for the SoCal people because I know they already know it. So they would have a little bit of time to showcase what they know and put all the flair on it and whatnot during open dance. And then as it turned out, we really didn't play it that much during open dance. Uh, but you know, the times that it was played, people did get to play with it a little. And then the other ones, Strut Through My Heart and Baby DNC with me. Somebody might look at that and say, did these dances come out like months and months ago? Why... Why are you still teaching them? Well, that really is an expression of something we've discussed many times, which is, uh, and, and you know, Darren Bailey put a post about this not not too long ago, uh, which is, it's still new for someone. Maybe yes. a lot of people are not going to be in the class because they know it or they've seen it or they learned it at some other event, but this event is huge. There are going to be enough people who don't know it yet that it's worth... <laughs> still teaching it and I will only teach dances that I believe in um, including my own I feel great every time I dance strut through my heart and I like the way baby DNCE with me feels with both of the song options so I I still think that those are worth teaching to people who have not gotten to experience them yet and I will continue to teach them until nobody knows them anymore uh, or nobody needs to teach anymore and then I'll be like okay now we can just put on the music and dance right um, so they, when we were talked about, uh, selecting our dances, we needed a couple different beginner dances, preferably an improver dance, and then a couple different intermediate dances. So we picked a bunch. Um, some of the other ones that I picked to, to teach that did not get selected was Fall So Fast by Joe and Carrie. I pitched Mars Attack by Rachel, Mac the Knife by Rachel, um, I think at one point I even said something about Razor Sharp just because I wanted to bring some classics back because I knew that not everybody would know them. However, I also knew that I needed to bring some of my own because that's part of the reason why people hire you as an instructor slash choreographer is because of your dances. So I brought my Uber driver along with uh, uh, Come South of the Border as well as my new beginner dance, Being a Woman, and then I paired that one with Gerard Murphy's The Walk which I've really enjoyed that as a beginner dance in general. So that's been kind of like where my mindset was. A couple new ones, a couple of my own, and a couple classics, which kind of get a variety for people. Mm -hmm. And I totally would have uh, taught Strut Through My Heart and Baby DNCE with me at Windy City as well when I was sending in step sheets, but I already taught them last year. (laughs) So (laughs) I had to find a couple others. Yeah. Plus they were asking for other specific like, for instance, your floor filler, you had to be very aware of what you could teach for that. Yeah, that's going to be Sucker by Julia Wetzel, and then my other dances are going to be Dip to the Bass, which I, I would not have been able to teach last year as it was so new still, 
and uh, the other is a brand new one that maybe we'll see tonight. We'll we'll see. <laughs> uh, it's called Ghost Ride It to the song nice. Ghost Ride It by Mr. Fab. Yeah. So altogether, our first couple days of Vegas was definitely high energy, high impact, lots of fun concepts of of pacing ourselves out the window. Mm-hmm. Essentially. All right. Well, I'll just make a quick pitch. Check out LionDancer-Radio.com. Check out our old episodes at LionDancePodcast.com. We thank you for tuning in to Line Dance Podcast. This has been Megan Bursley and Christopher Gonzalez. Until next time, we will see, see you on, on the, the dance, dance floor. floor.